Hello and welcome to the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. The Local Leaders Podcast provides a platform for successful business owners to share their stories, their experiences, their advice, and their ideas in order to help our listeners achieve more success in their business and in their lives. Get ready. Another great show is coming up. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Jeff Johnson, your host of the Local Leaders Podcast, and um, we are super excited and thrilled and and, uh, looking forward to the opportunity today um, to introduce you to a couple of new people, new faces that uh, you probably hadn't seen before, but this is um, uh, the Pimienta Bistro and Bar. We've got Joshua and Blanca here with us today. Bla- uh, Blanca Rodriguez is the head chef and owner, and Joshua is the front of house manager and every other job that uh, his mother, Blanca, decides he needs to do. Right, Joshua? That sounds about right to me. <laughs> and and thank you both for being on the show. Welcome, Blanca, to you as well. And and we appreciate you. you joining us. Uh, look forward to to kind of hearing more about you guys and and the uh, Pimienta Bar or Bistro and Bar. Um, if you want to to start out with, I don't know which one of you want to take this question, but if you just kind of want to share the the story of the business and kind of how you got started and what you're all about, that would be awesome. I have been a chef for the Seattle area for about 25 years, uh, working for different different companies. And 2010, I decided to open my own restaurant. And my passion for um, cooking European food, but also being the daughter of an amazing Mexican chef, I wanted to create some kind of fusion. And I went for it. Didn't really know if the location was going to be a success, but that's what we, what I could afford at the moment. And 11 years later, we're still up and running there. Nice. So, so you've got 11 years of history in the, in the same building then, right? That is correct. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And, and Joshua, how long have you been involved in the business all your life? I've been, I've been working there as long as the restaurant's been open. Uh, but the last six years I've been on full time. Um, I left the University of Washington basically to pursue my full time job at the restaurant. But every, in the last couple of years, you know, I've been doing school again. So I've been I've been there full time. Yeah, I want to say about six years now. Wow. But before that, you know, I'd come on the weekends. I'd come when I had time off. And yeah, I've been there. I've been there the whole time, too. Well, I, you know, I failed to mention at the beginning for our listeners, but this is a family run business, a, a family business that um, uh, all of all of you guys who have family businesses that are listening to us today know how that that is. And, and pretty much it's um, all hands on deck many, many times. And, and you've got to get in there and take care of the work and get things done and uh, make sure that you're providing the, the quality and the experience that the guests are expecting. So, so tell me, guys, how's it been, um, you know, working together as a family? Can you share a little bit about maybe the, the ups and downs associated with, with family and business? Sure. Well, for me, I couldn't be proud of one of my dreams was to have my first restaurant and having my son being 
part of that dream. Mm -hmm. And not just that, but see him working as hard as us happy and as professional as I am, uh, for me, it, it was just like a win-win situation. Uh, when he was 13, 14 years old, he used to come in on Saturdays for a couple hours and do dishes. And I always tell him, you're my son, so you have to do the best job ever. So everybody follows and very responsible young man then. And he became my right hand. So he took a lot of my work and started make it, uh, making it his. And I really just kind of see him as obviously my son, but a partner. He mm -hmm. helped with a younger mind. He helped promote a lot of things that I was kind of like a little bit behind Instagram, Facebook. So the success of Pimienta for the past six years has been exceptional, but it's been because of what he has contributed to that. On top of the good food that I cook. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And, and I hear it's all awfully good. And, uh, and what a beautiful um, website you guys have, uh, by the way. I haven't had the opportunity to see, uh, see the place in person, but the website looks fantastic and very professional, very polished. Um, and uh, it's very inviting. So congratulations on that. Joshua probably was driving the website change, too, I'm guessing. Yeah, you know, with the help of some graphic designers, I'm, I'm not big on uh, graphic design, but, you know, social media and uh, that's the new marketing, you know, that's that's going to take over, right? Word of mouth and, you know, newsletters, flyers, all that stuff is the, the way of the past. So social media is really the best way to drive your business and, you know, bring in new customers because everyone's on the phone, everyone's on the internet. And I think that's a huge part of a restaurant, you know, which is uh, pretty old fashioned business, right? Like the, the brick and mortar, the restaurant store is there, but you can bring in a ton of new people if you really utilize the tools that are online. So I think, you know, I had a pretty good starting point, right? My mom can make good food and you know, we had established customer base and all of that. And you, I was just able to come in, basically jump in as a younger guy and build on that, you know, with some of the tools that I have. Yeah, that, that is, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head and, um, you know, and, and you're a younger, a younger gentleman and, um, some of us older folk like myself, um, you know, we, we struggle sometimes. I don't know about Blanca, but I struggle sometimes with keeping up with all the technology and, um, you really, really have to invest time and effort into staying on top of your game when it comes to, to digital marketing these days. And, um, you know, it, the, the days of, uh, of advertising on a, you know, on a menu and, you know, or a, a paper placement on the table and things, I mean, that, that still exists, but if you really want to get out there, you, you've got to have three things. I think as a restaurant, you tell me if I'm wrong, but a good website, Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> and, and you're rocking and rolling and, and you got to oh, keep yeah. those reviews going and all that good stuff too, which you guys have done a, a great job at. So Congratulations on that. And uh, do you have other marketing help, Joshua, or are you pretty much driving all that train? Um, I would say mostly it's myself and my mom that have kind of taken it over, but a lot of it can be automated. You know, if you use the services through Google and Facebook, you're not even hands on with the marketing because they have strategies, they have people that are dedicated to marketing. You pay a fee or you pay a subscription and Google is going to take over. 
you know, and I, I didn't know a lot about marketing, but actually our last chef who was with us for seven years, Dennis, I give him a lot of credit for his help with building our social media presence and kind of teaching me about, you know, digital marketing, because you leave that set up and you pay a fee every month or per advertisement or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And it'll drive itself, you know, and once you find those people that come in once, then it's exponential. You know, the growth is exponential because word of mouth is still important in the restaurant. And we understand that. And that's why we focus so hard on getting, you know, five-star reviews, because that's going to drive your business to the top of Google, the top of Yelp listings, all of that stuff is, it's automatic, you know, it's, it's tedious work. If you're, you know, focused on the analytics and you're sitting there every night on your computer, trying to find the right demographic of people and trying to find the right marketing campaigns. But I mean, these platforms, they, they drive it they themselves. It yeah. yeah. We were very lucky. I got to say, uh, I, I'm surrounded by younger brains, Jasha being one of them, but uh, my chef, Dennis Espinosa, he actually was starting to design websites when he started practicing with our website. Mm-hmm. And he did a fantastic job. The website's still there. So for, you know, uh, for people that we don't have the time or we're just a little older than the new generation, I felt surrounded by younger people that were really, really helping us um, to create the social media. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, you know, I agree with you 100% because, um, you know, it's the age they grew up in. So they're so much better typically at diving in and, and manipulating and knowing where to go and what to use and what platforms people are on. and um, you know, it, it, you know, that changes all the time. Um, TikTok, you know, now is, is a big thing. And, you know, some people are, are even using that in their business and, and actually doing a pretty creatively good job with it. Um, if you, if you use it right. So there's just so many tools out there. Sometimes it's hard to decide, but I digress. Sorry. I got off on my tangent about marketing because it's, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, but tell me about kind of, uh, Blanca, about, about your food. I mean, what, you know, how, why is it special? How is it special? What, what is it that we can expect if uh, we haven't been to your place before and, and we come to dine mm-hmm. with you? But you're going to see a fusion. I, when I started cooking for my own restaurant, I had no rules to follow. I can cook a burrito if I want to, or I can cook a lamb a rack of lamb if I want to. And I went with my heart. I went with it. Everything, I know a lot of flavors from Mexico because of my mom and growing up with her. And I do have family that is, I have a couple brothers and sisters that are chefs. So I'm always being surrounded by food. Yeah. It's when I spend some time in Italy, France, and Paris that I decided that that's also one of my favorite cuisines. And when I open pimienta, I just cook what I feel I like. It doesn't matter if it's a mix of Latin with French. It doesn't matter if a blanc is going to have cilantro. It's not rules. When I cook, it's just not rules for me. So I, I think it works. And, and that's what people like. That's yeah, what well. people like. I use fresh ingredients. I try to stay as local as I can. And it's just, it just comes from the heart. 
when you create dishes. And I yeah. think people feel invited. Yeah, I, I think so many, so many chefs, um, you know, you, you see different things when you talk to a lot of different owners and, you know, you have, you have those investor type owners who aren't necessarily in the day-to-day business. They, they, you know, have one set of ways of doing things. And then the majority of people are owner operators uh, or chef operators and owners like yourself. Um, and I always see a lot of passion. You know, you have passion for the for the food, for the cooking, for the experience of, you know, bringing your guests in and watching them enjoy the meal and have a great time and laughing and talking and all those kinds of things. Is that is that what you enjoy most about the business, Blanca? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I can cook a dish. I can deliver the dish. And I can talk to the people. It's a very small restaurant for a reason. It's a reason why we don't have TVs in the restaurant because we want that to be like a community social hour. Mm-hmm. And I know where the dish is going and I know who's going to eat it. And sometimes I even wash the plate where they eat. And that's the beauty of having a small restaurant and family business with Joshua. And we have great employees. Uh, it just feels like home. It's, it's fun to go and see the regulars and to see the new people coming in. Uh, it's, it's probably very satisfying to me to have the opportunity to do what I love. And on top of that, to have my son doing it with me. Right. And, and Joshua, speaking of that, what, what do you find is, is kind of the hardest part of your job? Cause you've the got a lot, you've got a lot of different ones in the business. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I would say there. It's tough. It's tough to nail what the hardest part is. You know, there's a lot of moving parts to the restaurant, you know, and on the back end, right? The actual service, the dinner service is probably the easiest part. Once you're there, once things are running, but you know, you are managing uh, a lot of different people, whether it's your employees or your customers. I mean, my ultimate goal, my job is to make sure that everyone is happy. You know, my mom as the owner, myself, our guests, and, uh, you know, it feels like you're taking care of a lot of people. And I would say that's hard, but also it's one of the good parts because it's so, it's so gratifying, you know, to be there in the service business where customers are coming in the door because they want to, you know, and you get to see them enjoy the food and you chat with people and you serve them drinks and, uh, yeah, I would say I would say the hard part is just managing, you know, the flow of the restaurant, whether it's ordering and kind of tying in all of the moving parts together, you know, because the ultimate goal is to have a smooth dinner service, right? We're a dinner only restaurant, so we have one shift to worry about. But there's just so many moving parts that once you tie those all together, I think that's the hardest part. Um and then you ensure a smooth dinner flow. I mean, and there's hiccups, right? Like we're, yeah. we're two normal people outside of the business, you know, managing your work and your life balance is, is hard too. So those things kind of tie in together, but I would say it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably about it. Well, that's, that, that's a good answer because that's, you know, that's definitely a, a challenge is, is to deal with all the moving parts of a restaurant because you've got to prepare for service and you know, you've got all that preparational piece. You've got all the people you got to deal with and the issues that come up around people. Um, you know, the, the, 
things, you know, you may be out of this or, you know, you get suddenly the cooler decides to not cool. And I mean, there's always something that, oh, slap, yeah. oh, that yeah. slaps you in the face and, uh, you know, as a, as a restaurant owner and uh, makes for a more challenging environment. And, um, and the pace, man, the pace is what amazes me is how you guys can handle the stress of, you know, it's all wide open um, right. you know, mm-hmm. once you mm-hmm. start. So uh, kudos and hats off to everybody out there who's in the restaurant business and, uh, and, and runs a, a successful restaurant because it's not an easy task. Um, I wanted to switch back to kind of, you know, eight, nine, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when you got started, um, Blanca and, and Josh, Joshua was probably a little young at that time, but when you got started, what, what, what were some of the harder or bigger challenges that you faced in starting up? You know, was it raising money or um, or finding a location or something totally different? Uh, finding the location was a big one. Uh, we live in West Seattle for most of our, well, Joshua's life. And trying to find a location that wouldn't take all your money on rent was very difficult. And that's why we end up in federal way. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the rents were cheaper. And if you look at Pimienta, you have no idea what's inside those doors. You, I'm in front of a gas station next to a nail salon. Uh, so m- that was hard to turn that into a bistro that you will come in, you feel like you in Paris, and don't look to the left and look at the car wash. Yeah. And that was a, that was a challenge to build. But an accomplished challenge. After three or four months, we kind of made it work that way. Um, the location was definitely, uh, it worried me that we were not going to be successful there. We were competing with a lot of chain restaurants around us. And we were going to be just something kind of unique, but I wasn't sure if I was going to have the crowd for it. So the location, obviously the money, uh, we try, I try to focus a lot on setting up a good kitchen and then trying to get most of the stuff that we open Pimienta with uh, is like a secondhand use materials. Mm-hmm. We turn a teriyaki place into a bistro from Europe. And that was challenging financially and it took a lot of thinking to do. So I would imagine, yeah, I would mm-hmm. imagine that it, that it would be because um, because I, I I can sense what you had envisioned, you know, for the brand to to be with the European flavor and Paris and the bistro and and all that. And when you're when you're looking from the parking lot and and you see the complete opposite of that, it, it's difficult to figure out how you're going to execute and uh, and pull it off. So I imagine it it probably did cost you more time and money than than you than you initially expected. I, I would Absolutely. Yeah. Were, now, were you able to, um, were you able to, to borrow, to get the business started? I know that's a little personal, but we have a lot of listeners who are you know trying to get that first place open and I'm trying to give them some ideas of how to get creative and find a way to, to, to do it. Um, were you able to borrow money or did you need to, or were you able to do? I, I did need it to borrow, not too much. Uh, like I said, we got very, very creative. And the reason why that spot was the location I choose 
it had 75% of the kitchen already in. Mm. So the people that left, left some refrigerators, some equipment that I was able to use. Mm-hmm. And thanks to that, uh, when I rented it, the equipment was already there, most of it, the hood and, and everything that is very expensive. So I had to borrow a little bit from friends and family, but nothing, nothing huge. That and my savings, we were able to do it. Yeah, that's that's encouraging, and and really today, and you know, with today's market, uh, there's there's a lot of real estate available for uh, restaurant tours and and business owners in general, and landlords, um, you know, can can be creative, and so I would encourage you to get as creative as you need to be to to get your dream started. Um, you know, like Blanca has been able to do, um, and you know, we've got some podcasts that that. Uh, well, we talked to some folks that that are, you know, have been able to to do some creative financing and things like that. So I encourage you to check out our other podcast. And, um, you know, if you're looking for funding or figuring out a way to get the money to start up, um, hopefully we can give you some help or you can reach out to me directly. But uh, again, I got I get off track really easily, guys. So I apologize. Uh, well, that's the joy. That's the joy of having a conversation. You know, there's no script. Yeah, <laughs> Everything it, is just natural. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm trying to get better for our listeners at, at, at finding those, those nuggets of information and, um, you know, really picking your brain, so to speak, to, to get the gold out of, of all the things that you had to go through to get where you are today. And, and to have an 11 year old restaurant, I mean, that's incredible in its own. How many people, yes. how many restaurants closed down, you know, in the first couple of years? Um, so the fact that you've made it long-term is, is a testament to your hard work and your dedication and your abilities and your commitments, um, because, you know, I'm sure it's not been an easy road, uh, and you're raising, you're raising your family, you know, with the restaurant, so many of our listeners are doing that. Um, how about your staff? How, how, how big is your staff outside of you two? How many employees do you have? I would say, let's see, if I count in my head, six. I, we have seven employees total. Okay. So we have seven employees total. And uh, yeah, that's right now, you know, it's it's one of those challenges because over the last year, as so many restaurants went through closures and shutdowns with the state mandates, um, you know, we were unfortunately not able to keep two of our key players. And that's in the kitchen. You know, the front of house is able to really be like, you can adapt and you can make it work, but in the kitchen, you need consistency and you need people that know what they're doing. And so many restaurants now are hiring, trying to hire that it's tough. You you know, retention is a big issue. Pay is a big issue. And it's not as simple as just offering more money. You know, you need you need to find qualified candidates and, and they're hard to come by right now because people are switching industries, you know, and, yeah. and good on them. Good on good on them. It's a it's a tough business to be in. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, things will level out and there's going to be more people coming into the workplace. Um, but, you know, we're a small enough operation that regardless if we're running one person in the front, one person in the back, you know, we're going to make it work. Even if it's busy, we're going to make it work. 
Right. And, and that's, you have to do what you have to do. But, um, but as you said, the industry is really challenged with, with people and, um, you know, and I agree with you. Some people say it's, you know, may disagree, but, um, you know, I think the industry has lost, uh, employees, you know, they've gone on to different careers and, um, you know, that is just not enough there today. And, And they've done that because, um, you know, I guess they found, uh, opportunities that were more, more advantageous to them, whether it be the, you know, the benefit side of, you know, working in other industries or the pay or, or what have you. Um, and operators like yourselves are really struggling with trying to find a way to, you know, more to keep ha- their employees more happy with their compensation and the benefits and the bonuses and everything that you can possibly do to pay people, um, you know, to work with you and um and provide a quality of life for them and their families but you can't do that on you know a a five to eight percent net margin (laughs) you know there's no money there's no money so somewhere you know something's got to give and typically the you know the easy answer is we've got to we've got to adjust the the pricing out there and consumers expectations um you know aren't there they don't understand and and you know, they, they don't want to absorb that, that, that cost. Um, but at some point it's got to change, you know, you've, you, there's just gotta be a better way to, to make it work. And and we hope that, um, you know, people listening and, and you guys and, and all of our guests uh, will listen to one another and, and, you know, maybe find some creative solutions, uh, to it, but there, there's just no easy pill to take to fix it. You know, it's, no, I, f- I feel like right now, if you made it through COVID and right now after COVID, a, a lot of the business, we are really busy, which is good. And right now, the issue that I'm finding, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are, prices on the food, high, high, oh, yeah. they are 15, 20%. To hire somebody new, you got to offer pretty good money to be able to even get help so between food going up and like you mentioned yeah you can raise your prices on your menu but it's only so much you can raise on your pricing right, right. so this is almost the after covid you made it and now is the situation we're in it's almost like you're just gonna keep driving by and then at some point everything will hopefully level out yeah but yeah. it's, it's tough for a lot of us right now, I think, because of empl- employees and the almost demanding or you shouldn't use demanding. It's almost like you're required to pay more so you can take somebody. And on top of the food prices, absolutely ridiculous, ridiculously, they to the roof right now. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. The uh, the labor and, and the food cost both are up and that's, you know, that's your prime cost and the biggest expense that you have. And, um, and it's, it's difficult to operate and everyone's looking for, you know, for answers. We all hope the food pricing will come back down, um, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the food people are experiencing labor shortages as well. So, you know, their, their capacity has shrunk and um, it's just a domino effect throughout the industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, if you were talking to a, a new restaurant owner or somebody that's beginning, you know, thinking about just jumping into the business, 
what would you tell them as kind of the most important pieces of advice um, that you might give them before they made that investment? <clears throat> Either one you of got, them. You got to really know the business. Uh, you have to have the knowledge of what food cost is, and you have to have the knowledge of, you can't just drive the back of the front. You have to educate yourself about cost from one straw to a part of New York State. You gotta know your business all around it 100%. And you gotta be ready to work really hard in any position that you're gonna have to. Right. And so my advice will be to def look at the whole business, uh, make a plan, know your numbers. And I had a lot of experience because I worked for Nostrum. I worked for them for 12 years. I learned a lot about a structure, about cost, about labor, about customer service. And I'm grateful for that because that's probably why we are successful. But my advice will be just get involved in every single angle of the restaurant before you open so you know. Yeah, great, great advice. How about you, Joshua? You've been there long enough now to, to have some have some thoughts on advice. So I would say my biggest piece of advice is to not let the location fool you because I haven't been in the restaurant business my whole life. You know, my mom's been working in restaurants for many years. I've right. been there right 10 years. And what I've seen, because we have two restaurants and they're both in niche little weird, they cater to little niche markets and they're off the main strip and they're not glitzy and they're not glamorous. And for a lot of aspiring business owners, you don't have the money to take on some sort of beachfront place. And I would say, don't let that discourage you because it's so easy to get in over your head with just the property. And both of our places are successful in you know, smaller kind of quirky communities in places you wouldn't typically see a restaurant succeed. And if you're going to try and cater to a niche market, um, go for it, you know, because we have great clientele. We have, we're very regular based. And I would say, you know, strategically choose a location, right? Something that maybe a restaurant that went out of business somewhere weird, you know, don't let that discourage you because there's so many prime locations but it's just it's just too costly and if you find somewhere kind of weird kind of off the main strip you know that that could just be the reason um that it drives your success you know you have lower costs and i and i can see that in our federal way in pimienta because right we didn't have a million dollars to start the place we couldn't compete in the city of seattle you know against celebrity chefs against rich people that are owning these restaurants Right. It's it's hard. It's hard if you if you jump into a saturated market, right? Somewhere where, like a strip mall area or a shopping center, right? You're competing against so many people. So that would be my biggest piece of advice because um, that's where I see our success. Yeah, it, it, it's good advice on the on the location. And what makes me think of is is I've I've kind of talked about that that in in several podcasts before and. Uh, different owners have different perspectives and, and the way I would, you know, I would re paraphrase that is that, uh, well, the way I would explain it, I should say, is that um, some owners, when they're looking at location, they they go into the location with the brand in mind and they make sure that the the location fits the brand. And then other people go into the location with the opposite mind and 
they fit the brand to the location, right? So, you know, it depends on the opportunity. If you're really, you know, trying to uh, be aggressive and find great opportunities um, and, and reduce your cost to, of getting started, you can do like you guys did and make the, the brand fit the, lo- you know, make the location fit the brand. And, uh, mm-hmm. right. you know, it was a little more costly at startup, but, you know, the other option would have been to find that perfect location where it just fit right in, but your, you know, operating costs for years to come would have been double or triple, maybe what they are today. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's you have, interesting. Go ahead, Joshua. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, you know, with the fitting the location to the brand, you have to think about which customers you want to bring in, right? Are you yeah. just trying to focus on higher end people or are you trying to have an inclusive restaurant? They can be for families. It can be for couples. It, you know, you have a wide range. And our menu is you know, across the board. You know, we have simpler items and we also have, you know, higher dollar, nicer items. And I think, you know, I'm not saying you have to be totally family friendly or, you know, cater to kids directly, but the location really ties into your customers, you know, just drive around the neighborhood, you know, see what kind of houses there are, see what apartment complexes there are. And, um, you know, you can determine who you want to cater to that way. And you open it up to a broader audience, you're setting yourself up for success right away. And Federal Way was an interesting location. You know, people always ask us, oh, why'd you open in Federal Way? Because it's really a town that you pass through. There's a lot of commerce, uh, not a lot of commerce I'm in. And there's a weird not, there's no downtown. It's a really odd city. You know, it's a lot of residential, a lot of suburbs, you know. Mm-hmm. there's industrial areas and you know we it was kind of not a crapshoot but the simple fact was we couldn't afford the city of seattle you know and i'm sure you have listeners that are aspiring restaurant tours in seattle and it's a hard city it's a hard city to open in because it's costly and you know the tax structure is very oppressive at times and you know you pay back into the system I'm going to go on a tangent if I keep talking. So <laughs> that's okay. Hey, I wanted to I wanted to backtrack and just um, just let you mention. You mentioned you guys have a second uh, restaurant or second brand. If I caught that right, do you want to you want to give it a, a quick plug? Yeah, our, our second restaurant has been open uh, for six years, and that is called Greenbridge. One word: Greenbridge Cafe. Okay. And that is between West Seattle and White Center. Got it. Greenbridge mm-hmm. Cafe. And that's well, where we're strategically parked outside of right now. Actually. <laughs> well, all we had to do was get the car in front of the sign. We'd have, we would have had it, right? You can see maybe across the street for the, for the YouTube viewers. There's mm-hmm. our Greenbridge Cafe. Uh, that's pretty cool. I love it. Love it. Well, it, it's amazing that not only have you, do you have one, one successful location, but, but you've actually got two. So you got to split your time between them, I'm sure. And, um, you know, we didn't even get into how you handle both, um, which is, is just, maybe that'll be on the next episode when you have us on again. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about the challenges of, of running, uh, um, two different brands or two different, uh, uh, ventures because it's, you know, it's, it's, a lot of people think that you get scale, uh, economies of scale when you go to the second and third and fourth locations, and you do, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the workload's not equal to or more than the first one. 
know? Absolutely. And uh, we all want to think that, hey, we're better at it on this second round. We can we can spend half the time and, and be just equally successful, but uh, it doesn't always work out that way. But thank, thank you guys so much. I just looked at our time. I realized it's a little bit later than I, I thought. I've kept you for, for a little while, and um, okay. I, w- I want to be respectful of your time. Is there any parting words that either of you uh, or things that you wanted to comment on that uh, I haven't? inquired about or given you an opportunity to say no i i thank you for the opportunity this this is great and i'm glad that um you reach out to us and this is great to put it out there for anybody they can grab anything they like from this conversation either to uh for people that are opening business or for people that are struggling on business and um, i really thank you for the invitation well and we thank you for taking time time out of your schedule to uh, to help us and support the cause and give back to the restaurant business industry. You as well, Joshua. We appreciate your time as well, and um, I wish I wish you both the very very best in in all that you do going forward. And hope that we have great success. And um, anyone who has not had the opportunity, um, you know, to to come out and enjoy a meal with you guys, please get to the Pimiente bistro and bar as soon as possible and uh enjoy a drink enjoy some food um and just enjoy time with the family which is is really what it's all about and what blanca loves uh, and i'm sure joshua does too oh yeah thank you yeah thank you thank thank you again guys and for all our listeners we appreciate you joining us for another episode of the local leaders podcast i'm your host jeff johnson and i look forward to seeing you on our next episode thank you Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. You can find us at www.jeffzpodcast.com or jeffzjohnson.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening and be sure to come back every Monday and Wednesday for our next episode.